Hey everybody, this is the host of the From 78 podcast, and I wanted to jump on real quick here before the podcast officially kicked off and give all of you who are hearing my voice in your ears right now a warning. And the warning is that the topic that I'm going to be discussing on this episode of From 78 is a pretty violent topic. It is a topic which will bring up issues of bodies being violated, um, having violent things done to them, having uh, sexual assaults occur, that sort of thing. And I, I just wanted to say that right here up front at the beginning, just in case that's something that you would like to avoid. If it's something that you would like to avoid, please, you know, by all means, stop listening now and go find something else to do. Uh, if it's something that you find yourself feeling comfortable with, then continue to listen. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I've given you a warning. You can make your decision. We'll go from there. specters that haunt us, and about what's over the horizons of yesterday and tomorrow. Today's show is an audio essay. Yesterday, I woke up really, really, really early, and uh, nobody else in my house was awake. It was one of those kind of moments where I had some solitude, which is kind of rare for me because uh, my house is a, is a house that has a small child in it. When you live in a house with a small child, it's rare to get privacy. But I had some. I woke up. Nobody else was awake. The small child was sleeping. My partner was sleeping. It was just me awake in the house. And so I did what I often do when I'm the only one awake, either early in the morning or late at night. I reached for my iPhone, made it recognize my face, and start working. And I opened an application called Reader, which is something that you can use to subscribe to RSS feeds. RSS stands for really simple syndication. And it's, a, a, I guess, a technology. And it was used a lot when I was uh, really into the internet when I was younger, when people were starting blogs, when blogs were not uh, maybe as prevalent as they were now, you know, they, they would have RSS feeds and you could use an RSS feed to subscribe to the content of the blog and 
I'll bet Google had this thing, uh, RSS reader, that a lot of people used. Then they discontinued it at some point. I don't really remember when. And none of this is actually all that important. Back to the story. I, I opened up Reader and I started to read a blog that I follow. It's a blog called Alice Minor. And it is a blog of a writer slash artist whose work I admire a ton. His name is John Reeves. One of the posts that he had put up was just a list of things, a list of things that were influencing him as he worked on a novel that he was attempting to write. And I read that list and I recognized some of the things on it. They think they were people or things that I was somewhat familiar with. And there was a lot of things that I wasn't familiar with. One of the things that I wasn't familiar with was something called Rhythm Zero. And when I saw that, I, it was also a hyperlink. So I, I clicked on the text Rhythm Zero, and that brought me to a Wikipedia page about Rhythm Zero. I'm going to read two sections of that Wikipedia page to you. Rhythm Zero, 1974, was a six-hour work of performance art by Serbian artist Maria Abramovich in Studio Mora, Naples. The work involved Abramovich standing still while the audience was invited to do to her whatever they wished using one of 72 objects she had placed on a table. These included a rose, feather, perfume, honey, bread, grapes, wine, scissors, a scalpel, nails, a metal bar, and a gun loaded with one bullet. There were no separate stages. Abramovich and the visitors stood in the same space, making it clear that the latter, all these items, were part of the work. The purpose of the piece, she said, was to find out how far the public would go. What is the public about? And what are they going to do in this kind of a situation? Her instructions were placed on the table. Instructions. There are 72 objects on the table that one can use on me as desired. Performance. I am the object. During this period, I take full responsibility. Duration, 6 hours. 8 p.m. till 2 a.m.
Abramovich said the work pushed her body to the limits. Visitors were gentle to begin with, offering her a rose or a kiss. Art critic Thomas McEvely, which I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but I hope I am. Uh, Art critic Thomas McEvely, who was present, wrote, It began timidly. Someone turned her around. Someone thrust her arms in the air. Someone touched her somewhat intimately. The Neapolitan night began to heat up. In the third hour, all of her clothes were cut from her with razor blades. In the fourth hour, the same blades began to explore her skin. Her throat was slashed so someone could suck her blood. Various minor sexual assaults were carried out on her body. She was so committed to the peace that she would not have resisted rape or murder. Faced with her abdication of will, with its implied collapse of human psychology, a protective group began to define itself within the audience. When a loaded gun was thrust into Maria's hand and her own finger was being worked around the trigger, a fight broke out between the audience factions. described it later. What I learned was that if you leave it up to the audience, they can kill you. I felt really violated. They cut up my clothes, stuck rose thorns in my stomach. One person aimed a gun at my head. Another took it away. It created an aggressive atmosphere. After exactly six hours as planned, I stood up and started walking towards the audience. Everyone ran away to escape an actual confrontation. When the gallery announced that the work was over and Abramovich began to move again, she said the audience left, unable to face her as a person. those feelings that were weird to feel all at the same time I was feeling them all at 
the same time. And here's a confession I want to make that, you know, prior to reading this, which only happened really not that, that long ago from the time I'm sitting in front of this microphone and recording this podcast before I, I knew about this event of performance art titled Rhythm Zero. I didn't have a really high opinion of performance art. I kind of looked down on it, truth be told. Then after I read about this, it was like my whole perception of performance art totally changed. Completely different now than what it was a short time ago. And I didn't even see this. I wasn't present for this. I wasn't even alive at the time that this took place. I wasn't born until 1978. This happened in 1974. Be that as it may, when I, I read this and, and then kind of continued to dig deeper into it, I, you know, I, I, I looked up more stuff. It'd be, it's really clear that this is something that actually happened. This isn't like somebody telling a fictional tale of something. It wouldn't it be interesting if this happened. This happened. Real people in the real world did this. It happened. And knowing that, knowing that this happened, that has an effect on me, and it's still having an effect on me now, which I guess is evidenced by the fact that I'm sitting in front of a microphone doing a podcast about this. So later in, in the day, you know, I, I, I read this in the morning when I was the only one awake, and then, you know, other people in my house woke up, the day got started, things happened. And when my, my son had gone down for his nap, I, I, I'd been thinking about this. Like this had been on, in the, on the back burner of my mind all day long. I'd been thinking about it as we were doing various things and stuff. And I, I said to my partner, hey, have you ever heard of something called a piece of performance art called Rhythm Zero? And she said, no. And I said, hey, I, want, I want you to read something real quick here. It's just a short Wikipedia article that'll kind of explain what happened. And I just want to, I'm curious what you think about it. So I, I pulled up the Wikipedia article on my phone, gave my phone to my partner, and she read it. And I watched her face while she was reading it, and I could tell when she was getting to certain parts by her facial reactions. And when she was done, she said, oh my gosh. And I was like, yeah. And she said, do you think if somebody did that today, it, it would happen like that? And here's the thing. When she asked me that question, honestly, I would love to say that it wouldn't happen like that, that it couldn't happen like that but I don't think that's true I think that if this same sort of situation were to happen today in a place where you know people didn't know about this piece of performance didn't know about Rhythm Zero my guess is that a similar thing might actually happen. I, I hope I'm wrong about that. I would love to be wrong about that. But what I think this piece of art reveals is a truth about us, about people, 
And it's a truth that isn't pretty. I think it's a truth that is extremely disconcerting, very difficult to look at, think about. But it's there. And now, for better, for worse, that truth is one of the ghosts that haunts me. said that last sentence now for better or for worse that's one of the truths that haunts me I had a realization it didn't just start haunting me after learning about rhythm zero this is this truth probably could be called a lot of different things but since I'm a psychoanalyst I'm going to call this truth the death drive And what I think Rhythm Zero does, did, is that it kind of removes the different apparatuses of desire that we have put over the death drive. It, It shows. It indicates. It makes us aware that even though we live in a world that is predicated you know largely on a desire to to go on living and to let others go on living that opposed to that desire underneath maybe that desire buried by that desire is the death drive lurking waiting patient and indifferent to us it's uh so I say patience and indifference. I want to say more about that. It's uh, the death drive is indifferent. It doesn't have uh, malicious intent. It's not sentient. It's not conscious. It's there, indifferent, and it's very patient. I think when I say it's patient, what I mean is that it can wait. Can wait a really long, long, long time for the right opportunity to present itself. And when that opportunity presents itself, the death drive comes out. It reminds us, it shows us that it's there. Always waiting. That's the truth that this piece of performance art that I read about made more apparent, more clear, less ignorable. And maybe in some ways that's good because you know I think 
that we all have, we're all haunted by the ghost of the death trap. It's not just me. We all are. But if we're perhaps more aware of that ghost, if we know about it, if we don't disavow it, if we don't repress it, if we acknowledge to the extent that we can that it exists, that it's there, that it's a part of us as an individual, that it's a part of our societies and our cultures collectively, maybe that does something good. And maybe that's what Rhythm Zero did. Maybe that's what makes it so incredible in my mind, is that it shows something, it reveals something. Not some, it doesn't create something. It didn't, Rhythm Zero did not make anybody do anything. I would argue that Rhythm Zero simply created the conditions within which something that was already present could manifest itself. It's interesting, actually, right? Because, uh, you know, multiple things manifested themselves in relation to Rhythm Zero. The first thing is what I've been talking about, the death drive. That manifested itself in the people who, you know, cut... Maria Abramovich's clothes away from her body, who used razors on her and uh, rose thorns on her skin, who uh, touched her bodies in ways that they would never, ever actually touch another human body were they not in this kind of a condition, etc. Right? That's the death drive stuff. But there was another thing I suppose that was revealed, and that is the power of desire. Uh, you know, in the Wikipedia article, it says that. A, a group of people saw what was happening, saw this person basically abdicating her will and decided to do things that they hoped, I think, would protect her. They, they tried to keep her safe from the death drive. Her death drive, the death drive of the people in the audience who were doing terrible things to her, that happened too. I think... That's another thing that's important to keep sight of is the power of the desire for life. And my hope is, you know, one of the things that I, I hope all the time, I think about this a lot. I hope that the desire, the desire for life is something that we can cultivate and take care of. Because if we don't, the indifferent, impatient death drive, it'll be there. Waiting. This is from 78. All of the music that you heard on today's episode of From 78 came from the album Ghosts, one through four by Nine Inch Nails, which is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike License, which allows people like me and other artists to take that work and use it, provided that we give attribution to Nine Inch Nails, that we do not use the work for commercial purposes, and that we share our work under the same license. Thanks for listening. Thank you.